0: Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley, this is Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. Hey, Barracuda fans, Nick Nolenberger here. In this episode of Cuda Confidential, we'll recap the week that was with highlights, and we'll be joined by Barracuda video coach and operations manager, Nick Gialdini. Since the last time we spoke, the Barracuda played just one game. On Saturday in Las Vegas at T-Mobile Arena against the Henderson Silver Knights. At 4:22 of the opening period, rookie forward Ozzie Weisblatt found fellow rookie Scott Reedy, and Reedy would fire one in to give the Barracuda a one-to-nothing lead. For Reedy, his fifth of the season. Barracuda may have numbers back the other way. Here comes Ozzie Weisblatt. Oh, to the near side. Shut. They score. Go! Reedy down the right wing side gets a feed from Ozzie Weisblatt, the teenager, and Reedy puts it off the post, posted in on the short side, and the Barracuda drop first blood. the time of the goal at 4-22 of the opening period, and for the rookie, Reedy, he's up to five goals on the year. But then Kyle Topping was called for four minutes for high sticking, and on that four-minute power play, former Sharks prospect Danny O'Regan would light the land for his team-leading 13 of the year to tie the game up at 1-1. Sanchenko, another good save by 36 and White. Now Regan White's up, he scores! Then, back at full strength, the Silver Knights would take their first lead. At 12.37, Pavel Dorofiev would jam one past the goal line for his seventh of the season. The Silver Knights skips errantly to the point. Played back along the right wall. Dorofiev near side. Hayes fakes the shot. Works towards the dot. Lines up. The save is made. It was behind Satchenko. And the Silver Knights score. Four minutes and five seconds into the second period, top prospect Cody Glass would whack a puck out of midair, and the Silver Knights would take a 3-1 lead. Now Dylan Sakura. Sakura Woo. traded to Vegas this offseason to the right side. Murphy back in front for Sakura. It's up and over, Sotchenko. that puck just rolls straight up, up and over him. He watched it go over him and then knew it was behind him, and at that point it was too late. Less than two minutes later, though, Maxim Latunov would make it goals in back-to-back games in three of his last four as he'd light the lamp for the 12th time this season, matching his career high, in which he set over the last two previous years. To the right-wing side for Merkley. His shot blocked. Karim back in front shot. They score! Maxime Latunov sneaks one under Oscar Dance, and the Barracuda respond five minutes and 40 seconds into the second period. Down by a goal going into the third period, Dorofiev again would score for the Silver Knights at 2.05 to push Henderson's lead back up to two. Side of his reach, recovered though by the Silver Knights. Here's a chance right at the doorstep. This But then on a five on three power play, Weisblad, who picked up the primary assist on Reedy's goal back in the first. Would score on the power play after Oscar Dansk had made save after save. Weisblatt finally beat the veteran netminder. Here, boards. Barrett could have an opportunity here. Weisblatt put it towards the mark tip, just wide hall blocks. Back in front, and what a stop there by Dance as he kicks it away from a bid by Latunov. Back for Weisblatt to the back door. Dance with another 10 bell stop. Near side, Dance did it again. You gotta be kidding me. Dance completely standing on his head. Three straight great A stops, and now Russo winds up, and that two is turned aside. Holmgåwks now for Latunov to the near side. Holmgåwks whipped on the shot. White point blank. He scores. Unfortunately, down by a goal, the Barracuda were forced to pull their netminder, Zach sawchenko and in 1931, Jack Dugan sealed the 5-3 win with an empty netter. Run into on the far side boards, Jam back down low, Hand-a-mark lowers the shoulder. 40 seconds remaining here. Silver Knights don't mind burning some time below the end line. Came free for a moment. Latunov had it. It was just outside of his reach, and here come the Silver Knights. Empty net, bid. they score. Thank yeah. you. barracuda will wrap up the regular season on tuesday night against the henderson silver knights at the orleans arena puck drop is scheduled for seven o'clock with our pregame show starting 30 minutes prior at 6 30 on the sharks audio network at sjbarracuda.com slash listen and you can watch the game on ahl tv when we come back we'll be joined by barracuda video coach and operations manager nick tialdini We welcome in the video coach and operations manager for the San Jose Barracuda, Nick Giardini. He is a recurring guest. We've had him on here before, but he pretty much does it all. He is the glue to the organization, handles uh, all the travel, handles the video responsibilities, is kind of a liaison for not only the coaches, but also for the players. First of all, thank you for the time. We really appreciate it. I always enjoy having you on because I think you have a unique perspective and you provide so much for the team. It's fun to kind of allow for fans to dive into exactly what you're doing it's been a unique year to say the least we can go all the way back to training camp in arizona and everything that went into that walking from the hotel over to the rink the guys were changing out of a locker room that was a wedding tent an incredible experience i don't think any of us hope we ever have to go through again but for Your role being not only the video coach, but also the operations manager. So you're dealing with hotels, you're dealing with buses, you're dealing with flights. This year, not as many flights. Take us into that experience for yourself and pull back the curtain a little bit for us. What was it like conducting training camp out of state and just dealing with everything that went into what was a very unique start to this season?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always fun jumping on with you. But, uh, I mean, I think you hit it right on the head there. It has been a unique year. Um, you know, people always make jokes about being able to write books or create movies out of some of the experiences one day. But I think this is probably a a season we could for sure go through and and have multiple chapters worth of material. Um, Arizona was quite a quite an experience. You know, I think uh, a lot of the staff and most of the players were on the road for. Almost near 60 days. Um, you know, definitely north of 50. I got in there a few days after Christmas. Um, a couple of the players were there before Christmas to start quarantine. Um, you know, some guys flew in a little bit later just to be straight in the Barracuda training camp. But it was uh, it was interesting experience getting everyone in and. Um, with the sharks being in Scottsdale, you know, it was, it was close, but not right next door to where we were in Chandler. So we still had guys pulling double duty. You know, I was driving back and forth every day for sharks practices and making sure the Cuda guys have what they need. It was, uh, pretty interesting, but I think, I think, you know, everyone bought in and no one really complained because everyone knew what kind of crazy situation we were in and scenario. And, um, I mean, I think it goes, the, the, the perfect place to start is, is just having our, quote-unquote locker room was a giant wedding tent in the back of the rink. Um, you know, the the Chandler rink that that was home for a couple months for us, they were awesome. Um, their staff was great, you know, very accommodating for us. But, you know, it was, a, it was a normal practice rink, you know, operating every day with customers and public session and um, figure skating, youth hockey, you know, they, they didn't shut the doors just because we were there. So we had to work hand-in-hand with them, and that started with building a big, 30 by 30 wedding tent in the the back parking lot and, um, you know, having the guys get dressed out of these rolling racks that the equipment guys spent quite a lot of time with rolling in and out of the building every day because we couldn't lock the tent. So, um, was just kind of one, one crazy thing after another, but that, that I think was the the biggest eye opener as as to how our training camp was going was, was seeing these guys kind of work out in the parking lot because we had to be outside and distanced. And then getting dressed in this tent, you know, we had a uh, portable toilet outside for the guys to, to move, you know, it was, it was far from luxury, but it definitely got the job done. Um, and for sure, it was a good bonding experience for everyone kind of starting with this crazy experience together.
0: I know everybody appreciates all that you do for the team, but I think a lot of stick taps need to be given to your wife, Melissa, because you were on the road for over two months. I don't know if that was planned from the start, if you knew you were going to be gone that long and she was kind of ready for it and and could adjust to you being gone for that long. But what was her reaction when she found out that you're going to Arizona and when you come back, to be determined you just didn't know when you were coming home
1: yeah it was it was interesting because uh you know we started hearing rumors that we might end up down there just given the situation we had at home in the county and the restrictions that they had so um you know once we heard the sharks were going we had a, was a pretty strong feeling the barracuda would end up there for a long time as well so uh you know, it was a little different situation for us than a normal year, obviously, but especially this year because we found out in December that we we're going to have a, a kid coming up here this year. So, you know, about two or three weeks after we find out that she's pregnant, I tell her like, "Hey, I'm I'm going to Arizona." It's like, "Oh, for how long?" Well, I can't really tell you how long because we don't know. It's it's going to be more than than what uh, what we're used to for a trip, but um you know she she's always been good uh with me traveling i've been doing it even even before being with the barracuda i was traveling with youth hockey and stuff so it's a pretty normal part of our lives now and um you know we always joke at the end of the summer that we're starting to get sick of each other so it's a good time to start traveling and get out of the house every once in a while again so uh this this situation was a little bit backwards she was definitely ready for me to come home and um you know i was ready to come home too but she was great the whole time
0: I guess the heart grows fonder when you're apart. You're gone for two months. You're going to certainly be excited to be around each other. So you finally get the season off the ground. You play some preseason games. You were in Southern California, and then you're in Las Vegas. So your first experience against the newest members of the Pacific Division in the Henderson Silver Knights. We get through our first game, and then halfway through the second game, all of a sudden the officials are sending each team back to their locker rooms. There was a COVID positive and you dealing with hotels and dealing with travel, all of a sudden, on the fly, you've got to pivot and get everybody a hotel room for at least that night and for the next couple of nights as we kind of sorted everything out. Walk us through that story. I'm sure you were uh, you were sweating, but you figured out how to get it done. But walk us through all that went down and how you found out there was a positive test and what you started doing once you found out.
1: Yeah, just, uh, you know, my my typical day-to-day job it's it's not bad when you have to plan travel for the guys you know you go for four or five day trips but um considering we were on the road for you know 50 whatever days it was it was a little more unique as far as you know basically balancing instead of from home to hotels you're going from hotels to hotels you know you have more bus communication you have to do it's a little more um tedious work but yeah it was uh we are in Vegas and we are traveling um, a little bit heavy as far as the body count goes. We had some extra players at, at CUDA camp, um, you know, different situations with players from juniors that their seasons weren't started yet. So they were able to come down and skate with us. So I think, uh, you know, most normal trips in a, a regular year, we're traveling with 24, 25 skaters for this, uh, this Vegas trip to start us off. We had. I want to say 30, maybe 32 skaters, plus our full staff and a couple, uh, couple uh, people from the management department. So, um, yeah, when you when you hear that you're not going to be able to travel back to Arizona that night after the game like we planned, we're going to have to pivot and find rooms for 50 people. It's uh, you know a little bit daunting of a task. So, um, first first thing that happened, I think, is second intermission. All the guys are are coming back in um after starting to go towards the ice for the third and you know we start kind of hearing the rumor that there was a positive test and the first thing you go for is okay well is it their team or is it our team oh it's our team all right who is is it a forward a d a goalie and at this point in the season um we hadn't had much COVID experience yet you know i think um the the amount that all teams have learned between now and then is is just a thousand times more knowledgeable than what we started with we didn't really know what we were dealing with um you know we just loaded up locker rooms like usual we separated stalls to to adhere for social distancing but we didn't really plan seating arrangements for the bus we didn't really plan seating arrangements for the the locker rooms and uh so we ended up having a goalie that tested positive and he was in the locker room with all goalies and all D so just by uh contact tracing that took out I think it was 8D and all three of our goalies right there so um you know big learning lesson from from that experience but um our our trainer Will Leonard told us you know we're not traveling back I think it was a, a four or six hour bus ride back to uh Chandler from Vegas so he said we're not going on the bus obviously you don't Know the extent of the COVID exposure at this point, so you just want to make sure you're um, crossing all your Ts and dotting all, all your I's, making sure you, you have everything safe, and um, you know we're not going to to spread any more than we already have if we have already. So I started looking for hotels. Um, the one we checked out of that day, they weren't able to, to fit us back in that night, which was probably a, a small blessing because it wasn't the best location to begin with, which, uh, you know, I, I got some heat for from some of the guys. Um, not the greatest hotel we've stayed in all these seasons, but uh, it started pushing my my boundaries outward a little bit as to which hotel would be able to accommodate 50 rooms in less than 30 minutes. So, um, you know, I'll give them a shout out. We found, out, found a nice double tree hotel that, that fit us in pretty much uh, open-ended stay uh, for all our rooms, which was uh, really great. Um, we sent the group over in waves. We sent the, the quote unquote safe group first, got them all checked in and then, you know, the potential exposure group came over and then the remaining staff. So checked in in three waves and really got that going. And I think we were there three nights, which uh, turned, out, turned out to be, um, you know, a nice little relaxing, lockdown but uh, obviously we were ready to get back to uh, our new home of Chandler and kind of get things going again after that.
0: Yeah it's funny at that point you want to get back to Chandler before the trip you wanted to get out of there. Yeah. I guess if you're going to get stranded in any city probably in the world and you need 50 hotel rooms that night Vegas is probably your best bet to, to find 50 hotels with the amount of saturation when it comes to the numbers of the hotels here. Well the season got even more wild as we continued on our first major road trip texas you expect to go to texas i don't think i looked at the weather report i, I brought shorts you know i'm expecting austin texas good weather Well, we yeah. just happened to get 90s, the, wor- the worst weather degree. they've ever had in the state's history the dallas stars which were about five hours north of us they had to cancel their game with the nashville predators we had our games canceled everything was frozen over you heard horrible stories for the texas stars players were charging their phones uh, in the their car because they had no power for days on end we get stranded so you've got to try to figure out to get the team out of the state we end up staying a couple extra days at one point we tried to fly out we our flight was canceled about five minutes before we arrived we end up flying out of houston you had to get frozen pizzas, though, at one point, over 50 frozen pizzas for the guys who were running out of food. It, it may take a while, but walk us through that incredible experience. Emily Kaplan, who writes uh, about the NHL and hockey as a whole for ESPN, she wrote an article on it, but an incredible story, one that I know we will never forget. But from your perspective, walk us through the Texas trip and the adventure that that was.
1: Well, I think the, the best headline for this trip is the trip from you know where. I mean, it was – I thought Vegas was kind of a tough experience dealing with the COVID stuff, but um, little did I know what we had in store for us. And it started from the, the day we landed. Um, technically the the events started popping up before we even landed. Cause uh, I'm sure most people saw in the national news, Dallas, the Dallas area had a really bad car accident. Um, I think it was like over a hundred cars. And that was because of the ice storm that they had come. So as we're approaching the airport, um clearly i had wi-fi turned on on my cell phone i got a message from the bus company saying that our buses were stuck in traffic caused from that giant uh car accident so they were doing their best to find us an alternative option but if they had no alternative options our buses were probably going to be about two hours delayed which um i think you can probably understand how roy would react if i told him the buses were two hours late so luckily they were able to reroute a couple other drivers and uh, we ended up waiting 30 or 40 minutes, but uh, did end up getting buses to us that could take us to the hotel. So that was, uh, that was item number one. And then item number two is is not even to the hotel yet. We're on a big um, highway exchange, you know, fly over probably 100 feet in the air and um, bus drivers probably doing 40 to 50 miles an hour, big sweeping left turn and we're looking in front of us and there's a box truck that's stopped and, you know, dead is crud and we start to conclude that there's probably ice up there and we probably need to slow down and bus driver starts stepping on the brakes and the rear end starts sliding. So, I mean, day one was very eventful, but, um, luckily we made it to the hotel safely and slowly after that. And, uh, you know, we got through our first game with, with no really any issue. And, um, once the, the weather started getting worse, uh, we realized we were probably gonna be in trouble when players were looking at DoorDash, trying to find some food and all the DoorDash uh, drivers weren't operating because the roads were so bad. And as, as condition worsened, the restaurants around the hotel closed because their servers couldn't get in and um, you know they didn't have any staff. So food wise, we started to rely on the hotel. Um, this is probably day three or four now that the players were kind of getting sick of chicken and pasta. and um even the chicken and pasta the guys were running out of so one day we had the the bus driver drive us over and you know probably a foot or so of snow and ice to the target um and end up buying about 80 di pizzas a bunch of uh uncrustable peanut butter and jelly sandwiches cases of water just kind of all the minimum requirements we would need to at least get through a day or two of, of bad weather so um luckily they were able to cook all those pizzas for us and i actually got a nice shirt out of it from rosemary from the sharks it says uh this guy loves di giorno pizza so I, I think i could be a, a new sponsor if they're looking for anybody um so finally we get we get through that and um you know we ended up losing a game due to the weather we we felt it wasn't safe to get over to the arena um in addition to the the road conditions the arena actually lost power Due to to all the weather and everything, so um, at this point it was just get the heck out of Dodge and um, you know try and get back to the the new normal we knew of of Chandler. You know, again I say get back home and um, you know we we knew we might be in trouble as far as flying out due to the weather, but um, every time we looked that morning, everything seemed like it was okay. It seemed like it was going to work out. So Murph uh, Murph got to the airport early to check in all the equipment and we started our track It, you know, typically it takes 20 minutes to get from this hotel, to the airport, we did it in about an hour. Um, you know, really had to go slow and steady wins the race to get us out there. And, uh, I think you mentioned already, but we're about five minutes from the airport and we get the call that our flight got canceled. So it's like, what else can go wrong here? It was just, it was one thing after another. And, um, you know, really giving me gray hairs. This trip is by far the worst that we've ever experienced. So, uh, Luckily, I, I had told our hotel when we were leaving, I said, Hey, please don't clean our rooms. You know, there's a chance we come back. Um, and, you know, thank goodness we had that discussion because uh, I tried finding other rooms just in case. And nothing, uh, to me, nothing in the entire state of Texas was open. That's what it felt like because um, people that lost power in their homes moved to the hotels. Some hotels lost power themselves or had no water. So it, it really, um, you know, it was a, it was an awful storm for those guys, something they're definitely not prepared for in, in Dallas and, um, and in Austin. So we made our way back to our hotel. They, they, you know, took us back in, thank goodness. And, um, now we're back to the, the, what are we going to do for food problem? You know, we're not going to go make another target run for DiGiorno pizza. Um, the hotel didn't really have anything for us anymore. So luckily the Texas stars hooked us up with a restaurant that was able to feed us a few times. Um, so that checked that box as far as, as, you know, finding something for the guys to eat. Cause you're on the road with 35 people. That's, that's one of my biggest fears is making sure everyone can eat. Cause you, you can go without some heat every once in a while, but you can't go without food. Um, and then, you know, you, you try and figure out, okay, what's our next plan to, to get back to Arizona. I don't think, uh, at this point, Austin was going to be an option for us. Just given the weather forecast the next few days and the flight options. So um you know we found a plan that would get us out of houston which is about three hours away uh back into phoenix and then comes the fear of if we get out there for three hour drive uh but the flight doesn't go then we have no hotels over there so it was it was uh you know throwing a hail mary i think was the way i described it to to the captain uh, megs and i said you know we're, we're going to go for it here we're going to try and get out there and hopefully board the flight and take off, but if we don't, you know what, we might be sleeping in the airport. That's just gonna be the, the worst case scenario that we'll have to deal with. So um, knock on wood, thank goodness, everything went to plan for that whole thing. But I think that was the first thing that went to plan that entire trip with Texas.
0: And then we found out halfway to Houston that Tucson had a COVID issue themselves and we were not going to play the games. So you had to figure out basically flights home from Arizona back to San Jose as we got to return home a little bit early, earlier than expected. It,
1: It It was almost a relief to like, okay, we don't have to go play these games. We get to go home. But then comes the panic of, well, eight hours ago, I booked 35 people to get back to Phoenix. Now how do we get everyone to San Jose? So um luckily the the hotel that we had there in Chandler was was really accommodating for us considering we were there for over a month you know they they knew everything we needed and how we operated so I I called another situation of calling a hotel and saying hey can you fit in 40 people because we weren't planning to stay there that night um and they took us in so we could fly everyone out the next day from Phoenix that was uh it worked out good you know being able to cancel those games.
0: Well, we joked too, which was which was pretty classic. You were at the hotel so long it changed names. We left, we came back. It was a different management group, a different named hotel. We had different keys, but the same facility. It was uh, it was pretty incredible and pretty funny as well. And I knew that we had a uh, we had a situation on our hands when players who played junior hockey in Brandon, Manitoba, and Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, their faces were white after we got over that that overpass, and they were concerned about the weather. I, I knew we were into into something when those guys we're we're looking uncomfortable as well we're talking to nick gildini video coach operations manager for the barracuda all right last question for you we could wrap up here i know we've had you on quite a few times so we, we've allowed for fans to understand a little bit more about what you do from a video coaching standpoint but if you will kind of give us a cliff notes on you know we heard what you do from an operation standpoint but what are you providing for the coaching staff on a day-to-day basis
1: i i think uh as our staff has worked together, you know, more and more over the last few years, it's, it's changed a little bit because they've become a little more self-sufficient as far as, um, you know, getting their own data and stuff. But I think step number one is, is pre-scouting for our upcoming games. Um, you know, you, you check the schedule, you see what games you have coming up this week cut a game of special teams or two for for Bones to go through and watch their power play or, or chaser to go through and watch their PK so they know what we're getting ourselves into coming up. Um, and then, you know, Roy watches the five-on-five five stuff this season for that pre-scout. Um, I think that's kind of step one for me. And then uh, in-game, you know, I'm, I'm clipping everything. I'm clipping the breakouts, four checks. Um, If I see anything kind of out of the ordinary that I think we need to check out, um, you know, I'll clip that so we can watch in intermissions. And the coaches can, after the game, take all these clips and start making their meetings, whether it's a team meeting, or if they want to meet with someone one-on-one and kind of show them some areas where we thought they did stuff really well, or uh, areas they need to improve or get inside, whatever it it may be. Um, But really, I think that the majority of my job on the video coaching side is just making sure that coaches have the, the tool as easily accessible as possible that way they can um relay their messages clearly to the players and kind of show them what they see or, or don't see but want to see well we can't thank you enough i think we could talk
0: for hours because the, the amount of stuff that you do for the team it, it's a laundry list in itself the stories and the adventures that you've been through over your time with the team we could talk for hours and hours but uh Awesome stuff, man. Thank you again for coming on. You know, Nick is a local guy. He's a guy who's a direct product of his environment with the Sharks being in town. A guy who played for the Junior Sharks, went through the system, has coached at Shark's Ice, has coached youth programs, has played for San Jose State. So he is local through and through from San Jose and a great reflection of of a guy who started young playing and now has turned it into a career and does a tremendous job for the team. But um, we'll get you on again maybe during the offseason and we'll dive into some of uh, these stories even more. But thanks again for the time, man. We appreciate
1: it. Sounds good, dude. Anytime. We'll, uh, we'll have to record one from the golf course this summer.
0: That's going to do it for this episode of CUDA Confidential. A big thank you to Barracuda video coach and operations manager Nick Gialdini. Again, a reminder the Barracuda are back on the ice to wrap up the 2021 regular season on Tuesday in Las Vegas against the Henderson Silver Knights we we'll pregame coverage starting at 6.30 on the Sharks Audio Network at sjbarracuda.com slash listen. And as always, you can watch the game on AHL TV. I'm Nick Nolenberger, thanking you for listening and saying so long until next time.